The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. There we go. I was muted. Nancy, good morning. Good morning, Shannon. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. As good as can be expected during all of this strange times we live in, right? Right. We were just talking before we came on the air, Nancy and I, and I was saying about there's a whole bunch of stuff that I have just stopped caring about. And <laughs> I know I saw I saw something funny the other day on Facebook. You know those I voted signs with the American flag. It said I showered. <laughs> exactly. And and that I got to be honest with you, that is like something I still very much care about, like because I like I can't go to bed at night without having a shower and I can't put makeup on in the morning without having a shower. I'm one of those horrible people that wastes water and takes two showers a day. Um, I'm a You're big crazy. woman. I need it. I have been enjoying <laughs> not washing my hair for a week. Oh, time. I cannot do it. I can't I cannot hit the pillow unless I've had a shower. But there's other stuff that I just don't give a flying fig about and that I just like my hair witness. <laughs> I, like I, I have to be able to wash it. I have to have water on my head. I'm a water baby um, and I don't have a swimming pool. So, you know, I got to have that. I got to have that water sensory thing every right. day, a couple of times a day. But there's a, a whole bunch of other st stuff that I just can't. Uh, and good morning. We're having people say good morning already. We're thrilled that you guys are here. Good and, morning and, to everybody. I and with us. Yeah, I know everybody's got different different rules and regulations depending upon what state they're in. And it looks like some of the states are going to ease up on some of the restrictions. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I got to be honest. I know that a lot of people are out there hurting and that they need a paycheck and that, you know, they're, they're not getting access to the unemployment like they had believed that they were going to. But I just worry we're, you know, we're going to put ourselves uh, in further danger. And, you know, part of I have friends, I'm sure you do too, Nancy, that work in the medical field and, you know, they're the ones I'm listening to because right. there's so much noise. Um, but I have a very dear friend from high school that, um, you know, is an administrator at a hospital and I'm listening to what he's saying. And he's and saying- are they having a lot of cases there? Oh, oh, yes. And, I and, had the opposite experience. I have a friend at Los Robles Hospital and she says the nurses are actually being given- uh, time off their shifts because there's not enough for them to do there. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No. Uh, well, well, my friend is in San Diego and he is like, sit yourself down and don't go anywhere. Really? Okay. Um, he's like, the best thing you can do for, for me and my team right now is to sit your fanny down and not yeah, go yeah. anywhere. She, so that's what they I'm had, um, They had a surge in cases a couple of weeks ago and then everything seemed to lighten up in the last couple of days. So, well, that, you know, that to me is evidence that it's working. Right. So I just want to be careful about when we stop it. I don't know. But uh, that's why better minds than mine are working on it. But uh, yeah, uh, we've got a little bit of news for you guys. And then whoo, we've got one of our favorite guests. Am I oh, wrong, yeah. Nancy? Uh, this is one of our favorite people. He's definitely one of our favorite guests. And we, uh, both Nancy and I count her as a friend. She is super powerhouse. Vena Tierro, and and I'm never sure whether I'm pronouncing her last name. I think that's uh, it, Tierro. Yeah. And uh, but I'm always nervous because it's one of those names that it's like, ooh, I'm not sure. Um, but Vena, we love Vena, and um, you know, I always tell her, I, you know, I want to grow up to be her. I always wanted to grow up to be her. She is just a stunningly beautiful, um, articulate, wonderful 
fabulous mother and she's a filmmaker and she's just uh, an all around, she's a great friend. She's somebody who's enthusiastic and passionate about everything that she comes into contact with that's worthwhile. And she's just a sweet person. She's the kind of person that, you know, if you're standing there and you're distressed, she would offer you the dress on her back. Am I wrong? Uh, she's no, you're she's right. just amazing. She's a very caring person and she's an incredible activist yeah. in the world of autism. Uh, and we're going to talk to her about that and about her latest uh, efforts with, she's a documentary filmmaker. And uh, we're going to talk to her about her her enterprises in that area and about her sons, Bakari and Carter. Um, yes. She has a lot to share and we have a lot to talk to her about today. And we've got quite a few comments that have come in already. People talking about what's happening in their state about, you know, yeah, in their state. To know what are some of them saying, Shannon? Well, in one state, they're starting to let the hairdressers come back. That tells you where the priorities are, and those uh -huh. are people who have to work and eat too. But it tells you a lot, right? right. Uh, that the Oregon cases in in their county are less, and lots are recovering, and no deaths at all. We love to hear wow. that people recovering. Uh, somebody else who says that I heard Vegas Vegas is not opening for a while. Well, we heard in Los Angeles here the other day that they're already planning on canceling all of the big summer concerts for the entire summer. I don't know if you heard that, Nancy, that it's like basically- No, I did not hear that, but I know that yeah. the governor is um, discouraging any large social gatherings for many months, so. Yeah, yeah, they were basically saying the other day that, well, you know, summer is canceled, so. Right. Uh, I don't know. We'll wait and see what happened. Somebody else is wanting to, uh, says, I wanted to know uh, with, with their children not being in school, if you think that children on the autism spectrum will fall behind quite a bit. And I think that that's absolutely a concern. Yeah. Um, I, and I think that all kids are going to fall behind. And so what I'm saying to autism parents that just like when the summer comes, when the summer comes and there's less services and all the other kids, we know it's called summer slide. The neurotypical kids will regress over the summer. Um, but, it, you know, they'll catch them up again in the fall when they do the recap in the, in the fall. Um, but that's an opportunity for those of us who have kiddos on the spectrum. If we continue to, you know, really be the drivers of making sure that there are things for our kids to do educationally and enriching, our kids can actually catch up. Um, that we can not only maintain the skills that they have right now, and that's job number one, maintaining so that there's no regression, but then once you are maintaining, then you see if you can add some things as well, but maintaining first and foremost. So, it, you know, it absolutely, you should be concerned about it, but be proactive about it and, and get involved. I know that, um, you know, we've been trying to provide a lot of resources here um, for families and things to do, I want to encourage everybody go to Autism Live's Pinterest page. Go log on to Pinterest. It's a free thing, and then once you're there, search Autism Live, and we've got tons of activities, and we've categorized them so that you can look and see. Some of them are specifically for at home, and there's a whole section, Nancy, on self care because we need the self care, do we not? We do. The problem is that a lot of my and dads can't get away from their kids to, to do self-care. So a lot of it, I encourage you to do with your child. Um, yes. I bought a new bicycle during all this. I got a very cheap bicycle at Walmart and it's absolutely beautiful. And my son, Wyatt, already bike. So we've been going on bike rides around the neighborhood. So that's a way for me to get exercise while he gets exercise. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, if you haven't practiced doing deep breathing with your child and some ba very basic yoga positions, I encourage you to do that with your child because I know it's hard for a lot of parents to get away from their kids, yeah. but it's yeah. also a great time to do arts and crafts. And I know you have a lot of those on your yes. Pinterest page. Um, yes. And that, that can be very relaxing and you know, it's a time maybe when you haven't had time to do that, that you can do it now. Cooking. Uh, projects in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, another thing, we're making uh, homemade dog biscuits today. That's um, wonderful. That's yeah, wonderful, yeah. Nancy. Right. Yeah. Um, and I know, think a lot of times people you don't have time to do. Yes. And people, I'm so glad that you brought up what you brought up because a lot of times we picture the the self care thing. It's the woman 
sitting on the beach um, in the lotus position by herself. Um, and we can't all, you know, uh, have that, especially not right now. But I will tell you that it's as important to do self-care as it is to model self-care for your kiddos. So I love that you said, do it with your kiddo. Like, you know, there's no reason why you can't, we've given you lots of meditation ideas um, on the show. And there's a whole playlist on uh, the Pinterest page of things, meditations that you can do with your kiddo. And like you said, going bike riding, you can like, you know, you can paint your toenails together with your kiddos. Uh, you know, there are a whole, now it's not going to go the same way as it would have gone if you weren't with your kiddo. Let's not kid ourselves, right? But the fact of the matter is, is that you do those things with your kiddo. Uh, okay. And people are saying, ooh, lots and lots of things here. And I don't want to miss them. Maybe we'll forego, forego the news because it wasn't that good. I'd rather answer questions. How do right. you feel? Actually, one of the stories I did want to just talk about, we don't have to get into detail oh. on it, but it is about the situations at residential homes yeah. for our, that comes out of Arizona. So I do want to touch on that, Shannon, because I think that one's important. But let's go ahead and hear. All right, let's answer a few questions here. and then let's definitely touch on that. So uh, somebody said, uh, Spectrum, if my son has autism and a chromosome disorder and I have no chromosome doctor here in Las Vegas, what would you recommend? And I think both Nancy and I agree that MedMaps is a great place to go. You can look for them online. They can tell you what doctors that they have that are um, registered, certified with MedMaps. And that's MedMaps with two Ps. And, um, and put MedMaps Autism into Google and you'll be able to find them. And then you should be able to find a doctor who can really help you. Um, and you'll see, I'm relatively sure there's at least one in Las Vegas. Uh, somebody else says, I drive school bus, special needs, and no extended school year. Yeah, a lot of things have been canceled through up until fall. Uh, we are thriving in home therapy with CARD, but worry about my bus kids. It's hard. It is hard. It's hard for everybody, but I'm glad that you're getting what you need at home with CARD. And of course, I'm always encouraging um, people, don't stop your therapy right now. Some of you are still doing in-home therapy, and if you can get that, fabulous, wonderful. It is considered a medically necessary treatment, so you can do that. But many of you have switched or are switching to telehealth. And I am urging everyone, because what I keep hearing from all the parents that try it, they're like, oh my gosh, this is saving my keister. So I encourage everybody out there, I'm challenging you, try the, try the telehealth uh, and write into us. Okay, and then we've got uh, Daniel Tiger. People are recommending Daniel Tiger, that they have deep breathing on Daniel Tiger. I love Daniel Tiger because, you know, that's a spinoff of the Mr. Rogers show. Is that uh, on PBS, Shannon? Is that on it PBS? It is on PBS. And, okay. and you can also find, uh, they have a website online too. I always love that PBS does interactive stuff online. So if your kiddo likes watching the show, go find PBS Kids online and find some of the games and educational videos that they have that go with that show. They're really fabulous about making things um, integrative. And somebody else says, thank you so much. I'm learning a lot from your shows. Thank you, because that's all we want to do is to be able to help. Information and inspiration, right? And we're saying hello to Helen. Hello, Helen. How are you, hello, my friend? Helen. Uh, okay, so let's talk about that news story, because I yeah. think this is, a, this is important to our community. Right. And this is something, Shannon, the story basically to recap it is comes out of Arizona and it's how the group homes for the disabled have not been given guidelines for dealing with this coronavirus crisis. Many of them have been left to their own devices to figure out what to do. And there is an increased um, incidence of coronavirus at many of these group homes for the disabled. So not only are they not being given guidelines on and given the protective equipment, the masks and the gloves that are needed, they're not being given any guidelines on how to deal with the situation. And the, the, the kids, the young adults and uh, older adults at these homes are not having their regular program. So I've been wondering, what are they doing all day with these kids? Well, and it is... Um... It is catastrophic at this point because, you know, we've seen that in some of the senior homes and nursing facilities that once one person um, is infected with COVID, 
through, you know, a visitor that came through 14 days ago or a staff member who inadvertently got it and came to work and didn't know because we're finding out that people are contagious before they're symptomatic, that then it goes wildfire through the facility. And that the people who are working there are often minimum wage workers that again, the states have given them no information about this is what you should be doing, letting them know about the protective gear that they need to wear. So, you know, we were, we've been seeing in the last 14 days, the news stories about the nursing homes and how those numbers, the deaths in the nursing homes haven't necessarily been counted. And it's a very scary thing. And now, just in the last two weeks, people have been saying, okay, what about these placements where the kids are in, you know, there, and before they would have been going to an internship or to a day program, but now they're left in their facility, gathered together with other people, with people who don't know how to protect them. And we right. know we've had- And parents have not been able to see their children, or in many cases, yes. talk to them to find yes. out how they're doing. They haven't been able to visit because of the quarantine rules. So uh, we know of at least one mom who was not able to visit her son, had to drop something off, drive up and unroll the window and drop something off. And he was terribly confused. And yes. she has sent him out of his group setting. I don't know how that's going because you know the group setting was something that was deemed necessary for him um, yes. to be in residence. And so then if you've got kids that you are pulling out of the residential, how are you dealing with them at home with no help is another so situation. That's the whole thing is very, very overwhelming. So we are, uh, you know, we're trying to just shed a little bit of light on it. If you are someone who has uh, a, an adult child or a teenager that is in a group setting, we urge you to reach out and find out if your facility has a plan to deal with this and, you know, uh, check in and see what's happening because we've seen far too many stories now of places that were not prepared and didn't know what they were doing. And it's a matter of life and death. So please, uh, you know, check, not just on your kiddo, check on the staff on, on what the plan is um, and take, take appropriate measures, whatever those are. And I don't even know what those are. That might mean helping to find PPE for them or removing your, I don't know. I don't know. It's so overwhelming, Nancy. It's a bigger problem. I know. Than I know. It really is. I feel for those families that are in this position that, you know, don't know what's going on at the, at the, at the homes that their child is placed in. I really feel for them. I want to go back to the mom who was asking specifically about the chromosome doctor and autism. And, and, and then the chromosome part, I think, you know, you're going to run into a sticky wicket that there are very specific doctors who work with chromosome. But my guess is that you're wanting, you know, for your child with autism and a chromosome issue to be as healthy as possible and make the most progress, which may not mean going to a chromosome specialist. Um, it may mean going to a functional medicine doctor who knows a little bit about chromosomes and how they affect someone with autism. That's why I'm recommending the MedMaps, which would be different than a chromosome doctor. And I also want to tell you that, you know, because she's saying that the doctor is telling her that the closest one would be in Colorado. And that might be the case. But because of this COVID emergency, there, there were telehealth rules in place, and they have been relaxed during this emergency. So right now, it used to be that we used to tell you about MedMaps doctors, for instance, one of my favorite, Dr. Berger in Florida, in Tampa, Florida. And we would have to tell you now, at a certain point, you had to go to Florida to see him. Then you could find a naturopath here, wherever here is. And if that person was a naturopath, then they could do telehealth with Dr. Berger and that you could be connected with them that way. Now all the rules are relaxed. And the truth of the matter is, is that you can be calling a doctor in another place and saying, you know, they can get the lab work done uh, locally, but you can get a doctor from another state to do a telehealth call with you right now and it's all straight up legal. It's not probably gonna be forever. So I would sort of take advantage of that um, and find yourself a doctor, doesn't matter which state, ask them to do telehealth with you. They can Zoom with your kiddo and they can look at the lab reports, but I think um, there's actually an opportunity. Uh, okay, so uh, it's it's time, we, you know, we, uh, 
and we love her so much. She's just an incredible person. So Trayvon, I hope that she is there. And if she is, would you connect us in? We've had a little bit of a wonky week here. You know, you guys, we've, we've had some staff changes and stuff. And so if you, if it looks like our wheels have come off a little bit, it's because they have. Um, so, uh, in any case, I don't, I, there she is. She is. It all worked. Hi, oh Dana. Okay. So if you, um, play with your thing and, and you need to turn on your mic, I know it's always, there's a little microphone in the front. Do you see your microphone? She can't hear us yet. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know what to do for her. Let's, let's type to her, um, turn on your mic connecting to audio ah there we go there it is there we go look how fabulous you look oh look how wonderful you look i'm giving you big hugs i miss you both how do you we look miss so you fabulous too. this early oh you know i prepared <laughs> <laughs> well i said the other day i said you know who's going to be with us on friday it's veda and i said you know she is notorious for being bone to the honest uh so i love that you said yes i i look this way because i prepare <laughs> i would expect nothing less from you uh how you are just scrumptious i said earlier i i i've told you this before I want to grow up to be you. And I've always wanted to be you since I was old enough to have memory. You were what I wanted to grow up to be. Can I just say, um, so there you go. Yeah. And I still, I, I still want to be you when I grow up. So yeah. there we have it. And, and I used to wonder, what does this mean? But then you told me your history. It happened even before you met me. <laughs> yes. No, no. You were the idea in my head of yeah. who I wanted to be when I grew up. You mean I, physically, I, I, you mean looks wise, everything, everything, everything. I wanted to be a tall, beautiful, thin black woman. I wanted to be a mom. I wanted to be somebody who was a mover and a shaker. I wanted to have incredible hair and incredible style. Like I wanted to be Vena. Okay. And got I didn't it. know I, got I was Vena. <laughs> well, and, and I didn't, I didn't have a name. Also, Shannon, you're also... You're both comedians. Yes. Well, yes. And Vena, uh, although she's out there doing it, I just out sit there here. doing it now, which we can talk about. Vena, you've been doing your lifelong, pursuing your lifelong dream of being a comedian and doing stand up, and you've been doing stand up regularly, right? Yes, for an entire year. I did it way back in the 90s, but I just uh, found the time, you know, because you have to be in the clubs late. But I have to say, Nancy, Shannon's play. You know, uh, what was it, a year and a half ago? Her the autism monologues. In the theater and her comedic writing. That was such an inspiration. Uh, and she knows I'm always saying, come on, get back on stage, get back on stage. She could do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, well, we were supposed to be doing it this month, and then this little COVID thing happened. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you heard about it. Yes. Well, do something live. I, well, I, listen, I'm trying. I'm trying. But you've been doing, like I saw the other night that you were still doing stand-up um, and doing it um, online, correct? Uh, out of my living room. Okay, this is facing the dining room. I turn it that way for the living room, and that's my stage for stand-up. Just you. can't even believe it. Somebody is saying, hi, Vena. Awesome. Sending sister love. Oh, back at that. <laughs> there we go. Dana, I want to, um, I want to talk a little bit. I don't know if you were listening at the beginning of the show, and before we get into what you're up to now, because you've got a lot of exciting new developments with your with your documentary filmmaking. Um, we were talking about the situation at some of the residential homes, and yeah. you have a son that's in a residential placement. Yes. And I'm wondering what your experience has been with that during this crisis. Yes. Uh, just to back up a little bit, he's in a phenomenal home, the white group home in Palmdale, which is like an hour and a half, sometimes more with traffic away from us. Since this whole happening, I have not been able to see my son. And you know, you guys know, I was there once a week and we'd have wonderful time together. So it was just so painful but we have just like we're doing now zoom capabilities and so 
I've actually seen him more via Zoom. Wow. That's fantastic. So you, your experience with this has been good in terms of what they're providing you at the, at the home to connect with him. Yeah, I mean, I tried, you know, I tried. I said, what do I have to do? It's like, do I have to show up with my test papers? Do I have to, you know, show you guys I was, uh, you know, uh, social distancing for 14 days? What can I do? And they said, if I take him out, he cannot come back. And our apartment simply would not help him during this confinement period. He needs a yard. He needs a trampoline. He needs, you know, all that he has at his disposal right now. So he gets to see his mommy a little bit more and we've been reading. I had um, talked in his last IEP to the school about giving him age appropriate reading, which at his age, you know, they had read uh, The Great Gatsby. So we're reading The Great Gatsby every time I talk to him. That's awesome. See, this is why I want to be you when I grow up, because this is how this is how you roll. You take whatever's happening. You figure out what do I need to do like, and ask questions. You ask your questions and then you say, OK, how am I going to make the most of what this is? That's who you are as a mom. That's who you are as a person. And that's who, who you are as a filmmaker. So let's talk about you as a filmmaker, Vena, and what you've been up to over the years and what's going on right now. All right, you got it. Yeah, when it came to filmmaking, <laughs> I just did what I had to do back. You guys know my background's in documentaries and news. And when I was at CNN, we won an Emmy for our 9-11 coverage and both my guys were diagnosed with autism. So when my marriage dissolved, my friends looked at my life and said, this is wild. You need to create a documentary. Of course, I was deep in depression, but eventually pulled myself out of it, went to Craigslist, got a little bitty flip camera and bought a <laughs> Final Cut Pro online and shot and edited the first film, My Tiro Boys, which screened internationally and was nominated for an Africa Movie Academy Award. Craziness. I had no idea the level of acclaim it would achieve. So immediately at that point, the boys were a little older because it takes a long time we parents were starting to wonder what happens when we're gone. So that nugget just, I couldn't let go of. And so I started videotaping interviews for this second documentary, Believing in Miracles in Spite of Autism, meaning I'm believing that somehow all these programs that we parents are creating when we're gone, we'll still exist. We'll still serve our children because one in 59, that's a lot of individuals, one in 37 boys. So, you know, when we're gone, that's a ton, that's millions, millions. And, you know, these are numbers that were calculated back in 2014. So we don't even know the numbers and what's going to happen. So we're focusing on work initiatives, housing initiatives, and a shift in the education paradigm, because we all know of, uh, you know, uh, Dylan Barmouche and Ido Kedar and Justice Killebrew, all these individuals. And, you know, the film um, with uh, ah, Deej, you know, there yes. are non-speakers who have been taught ways to communicate using one finger, pointing at letters and spelling. And this, had this been in kindergarten for all of our children because it helps the partial speakers. And I'm so excited for people like Edlin Pina out at, um, what's what's the university out in Thousand Oaks? Anyway, she has a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful- Cal Lutheran? Is it Cal yeah. Lutheran? Yes, Cal Lutheran. They have a wonderful seminar once a year where they bring all the non-speakers together and they dialogue at tables. Now there are people in institutions who hold the reins for um, funding who aren't even aware of this. And that's why I'm doing this film because there are people out there who don't know what they don't know. That's right, you're very true. involved with the nonverbal community. We wanna um, say that Dana, you have a son who's nonverbal. Yes. And so you've been very involved with that segment of the autism population and bringing light to some of the 
developments there that you were just talking about. Yes, I uh, in research for my first film, I watched A Mother's Journey where this woman comes from Switzerland and she meets Soma, Soma of Halo. I'm not gonna mess up Soma's last name because I reverence her too greatly. She came up with a method with her own non-speaking uh, son and uh, one of her first students was Ido. And what I learned at Edlin's conference is it's effective for partial speakers. Partial speakers have more going on in there. And through spelling, they have elaborate thought where vocally it's quite minimal. So I'm just pushing for that. You know, I have the nonverbal communication mandate bill proposal, which I'm going to raise up soon. And uh, we'll get that into play and get these methods into the classrooms. You're always let's talk a little bit Dana, about what you found out during your uh, experience of putting together this film about what's going to happen when we're gone. What have you found out in, in researching and producing this? And I want to say too, we have a trailer. So I want to tell T Traven, let's have oh. Dana answer that question, but I want to have Traven being ready because we're going to show the trailer in just a couple of minutes here. You got it. The first thing I found out is most people who aren't connected with autism, it never crossed their mind. The second thing I found out is that if we don't get them aware, legislation may come out down the road that will work against our children. And so we, the main thing I learned is that we need to educate those who don't know so that they will support this population once we're gone. Well, and Dana, I think it's even bigger than that because I think that there's a large section of the autism community that doesn't know. And I'm going to include myself in that because you are my educator on these things. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not my educator. <laughs> I find from everybody else, I consider myself, you know, one of those DJs. I find somebody who knows something, I make them my friend. I read up on them. I get all their data. I interview them and get them on camera for this documentary. Yeah. I'm sure you, also, Dana, you found out that we're really not prepared, like you said, for the onslaught of numbers that are gonna be entering the kids that are entering adulthood are already adults and what to do with them. Is that correct? Absolutely. And that's why I'm so excited to ask people to donate because listen, there's the ABLE Foundation that works with uh, community colleges to create actual career employment, not just the job. Then there's uh, extraordinary ventures, you know, um, uh, out of North Carolina, you know, with uh, where they are creating jobs based on the talent of all the spectrum adults, you know, they develop where they will work. It's, you know, so many different things are happening out there. And Joanne Laura with Autism Works Now and see all these, these education uh, employment initiatives are duplicatable. So we want to show how they created it, how they created the model again and another city, how other parents learned of it and ran with it and have uh, autistic adults being employed right now. And yes. we want to continue that. You, now you brought up donation. So, cause you're at a place in the film where you could use some money to finish this off. Am I correct? Absolutely. I am looking to raise $179,000 back when I did my first film a couple thousand, you know, my good friend Gia Gulden with the Samaritan's House gave me a couple hundred. I used all my income tax returns. All my money goes to my documentary film. <laughs> let me tell you, every little 50, every little hundred, I shoot with it. Yeah. And um, so, and then I had a girlfriend, Susie Stringizer, who is past now. She bought me a camera. So since then, the documentary industry has changed. Everything is 4K, everything is big money. They're spending millions on these documentaries. So in order for us to compete and even grab the eyeballs of people out there, we have to de deliver a high caliber product. So I've been fortunate enough to shoot the interviews with every dime I've been given. We got a grant that sustained us the last couple years from the Edward Harris Foundation and people
people like uh, Ariva Martin and Nancy and Lisa Wayans and Teresa Jackson have given multiple times, you know, uh, really nice sizable donations. And my, my buddy, Dr. Michael Heron down in Atlanta, he's helped support us. So we've been shooting interviews. Now we have the bulk of the B-roll. We know that's a TV term. The bulk of the footage that you will see throughout the entire documentary. I've got to hire expensive crews for a four-day shoot. I mean, a four-hour shoot to shoot all these people, all these places, and um, then we've got to edit it. And our editing budget is somewhere around $71,000. And we want to start editing in January 21. Okay, so we're going to show everybody the trailer and we're going to invite you and encourage you to be in. Haven't you always wanted to be uh, an investor in a film that could change the world? So we're going to ask you to go to the couch cushions, you know, $5, $10, $5,000 if you have it. Um, this is a place where you can move the dial. We're also going to do a shout out right now to Michelle Obama, who has a documentary film company and say, Michelle, we need you, we need you now, right? Because this is who would be the best possible person for you to partner with. I've just decided that now. You never have said that to me. But Michelle Obama, we've always wanted you to partner with something for the autism community. Here you are. We need you. We need you right now. But in the meantime, let's all pitch in so that we can show Michelle Obama why uh, their documentary, because the Obamas have, they're, they're partnering, they're producing, documentary films. They want films that can change the world. Here we go. So uh, Traven, have we got that trailer ready to go? Thank you, Shannon. Thank you. Are you kidding me? We, we love you so much. Take a look, you guys. Here's the trailer, Believing in Miracles in Spite of Autism. And then there was a pause. This is dedicated to all the people that suffer from autism. Autism burst onto the scenes in the 1930s, but began rapidly increasing over the past 20 years. Incidence rates before 1985, one in 2,500. 2000, one in 150. 2006, one in 110. 2008, one in 88. 2012, one in 68. 2014, one in 59 children diagnosed with autism each year in America. And one in 37 boys. And as parents of autistic children await the Center for Disease Control's most recent statistics, the bigger concern is, what's going to happen to our children when we the parents are gone, and they are adults, 50, 60, 70 years of age. Who's really going to care for them? I'm doing my best to raise my children so that they can be independent. But I don't know what would happen to them if I'm not around. They could end up in jail. Studies show that thousands of diagnosed and undiagnosed people with autism are behind bars with little to no support. It is really unfortunate in so many families and for decades, not long ago, these children were being isolated, kept in the back room, never being introduced to anything or anyone else. This is really scary. The fear of most parents with children diagnosed with autism is beyond belief. That could be my Bakari. He doesn't have language. What would happen to him? And studies show that autistic people have an elevated risk of becoming homeless. I believe government's core principal function is to provide support to its citizenry or at the state level, its residents particularly those who can't provide it for themselves. It's society's responsibility. It's not just the parents. We have to step in and do something.
Oh, Vena, it's so good. There it is, you guys. That's where you can go to donate. Please, please, please donate. Yeah, fantastic, Vena. Really, that encapsulates what you're trying to accomplish here. And <clears throat> your skills as a documentarian are just unbelievable. Uh, I was so moved by that. And wonderful to see your sons, Bakari and Carter, there too. And Wyatt. Wyatt was in there. Yeah. Lovely so shot of Wyatt. Quick shot of me and Wyatt. Um, and uh, so many other people that we, we love. And, and I think Nancy's right. I think what you, the thing that I was talking about before about how you were just to the bone honest, you have a way as a filmmaker, you know, when we first saw um, the screening of My Tiro Boys, and I remember sitting with a group of moms and people were so moved, they couldn't breathe. I remember at one point thinking, oh my gosh, like, am I gonna make it? Because I can't, like, there's so much emotion. There's no noise I can make. I can't, like, I can't get air, air in or out because you take us there. You absolutely take us there. And you do it very lovingly and you do it with a sense of humor and grace but you take us to the place where we don't want to look and you force us to look. And it's a, it's a gift that you have. That's I'm so glad that you have persisted. Um, I know that's your middle name persistence. Um, but it's a, it's a good thing that you do. You're doing the right things. That is so kind of you. Thank you, Shannon. I appreciate it. You know, I just kind of go with the flow. I've always been a, fly by the seat of my pants type of person. You know, I get a bright idea that light bulb goes off and I don't know where I'm going, but I just go and I go full speed ahead. Yeah, well, you're the kind of person that I wanna spend my life with. You know what I mean? Like surrounded by people like you because that's that's the good stuff. Um, it's absolutely it's the good stuff. it's a mutual admiration society. I feel the same way about you. I feel the same way about that mover and shaker right there, Ms. I Nick know. Jackson, she's a fireball, that one. I Dana, know. Let me, let me ask you, we saw in that clip a lot of um, very important public figures that you pursued for interviews in this. Do you feel at all hopeful after talking to some of these you, we had Senator Holly Mitchell, for example, Gloria Molina, you had there in that clip. And I imagine you have many others that you speak to in, in this film. Uh, are you hopeful after speaking with them at all? We know this is a tough situation that we're facing, but are you at all hopeful? Of course I'm hopeful. Primarily, Nancy, because I choose to be hopeful. Uh, these particular uh, legislators, have always been on our team. Uh, Gloria Molina, while she was supervisor, she helped the Latino community in many ways, starting organizations, being a voice for parents uh, with children on the spectrum and actually going into homes and going into schools and making a difference. Um, you know, Holly Mitchell uh, has been one of Ariva Martin's right-hand, left-hand people. Ariva knows how to how to galvanize legislators. And yes, we do have more. One I'm looking forward to interviewing is uh, Supervisor Mark Ridley Thomas, who's worked with Special Needs Network, and they've opened an autism center. So that was several years in the making. They broke ground in 2019. So we're gonna get him on camera. And another advocate, Holly Robinson-Pete with the Holly Rod Foundation, you know, she has a vocational center named after her son, RJ's place where my son Carter and many people's children were able to uh, become employed. Yeah, you... You've got two incredible sons and they're very different, like they would be, like anybody's sons would be different, but they are also very different in where they fall on the spectrum. And tell just a little bit for people who don't know you about the story of your boys, Vena. Well, my oldest Carter, he was just so cute. I had children late in life, people. So by the time I had gotten all my partiness out of me, that's a lie, it's still there. <laughs> anyway, I, 
I had Carter and I wanted to do everything for him. So I was that crazy mother who did flashcards while he was in the crib. I put everything educational around him. So when he began to uh, hit milestones, they were hit or miss. You know, he could sing songs. He, he knew his ABCs. He knew Barney had just come out. So he could do all the Barney songs but he couldn't put a three word sentence together. That's when we started seeing the jargon and the echolalia. He couldn't touch his nose. And fortunately I had other parents around me with kids his age and they were doing things and I was kind of looking at him. Well, anyway, autism was new. This was back in 1997-ish. And uh, he got diagnosed. Well, by the time we were going through the process, it's a lengthy process. You get one exam and then you're put on a waiting list for several weeks, sometimes months for the next process. Well, Bakari was hitting all his benchmarks and had language, little benchmark language, not full on sentences. But then his, his, uh, his entire countenance, countenance changed and he really went away from us. So we were able to get him diagnosed. And initially I thought he didn't, he wasn't affected, but then it turned out it was a bit more severe. Now, because of these methods that, you know, fortunately uh, Ito's mom, Tracy Kidar is working with my youngest son, teaching him how to communicate through spelling and, and uh, pointing to letters. And eventually he'll graduate to keyboards. Um, I found out he's incredibly intelligent, incredibly brilliant. And see, we were taught back then that people like Carter were smarter than people like Bakari, but they're all extremely intelligent. They just, just like everybody else, we have different ways of showing it. And some of us have better ability of showing it through different means, through different avenues like some people simply aren't articulate but when they sing they communicate deeper than anybody who you know can recite a speech you know and then there are those who can paint something and it just moves people beyond their lifetime but they weren't able to communicate in a you know roundtable conversation so Carter's verbal he's able to actually not be detected in most in most social settings. Bakari, if he doesn't speak and he stands still, he's able to not be detected in most social settings. But then when people ask him a question, he's not able to respond. And then when he gets what's called STEM hyperactive, he runs and jumps and, and does things that typical people just don't do. And then he's detected. So they're very different, but both, I am grateful, both very loving, very affectionate, and uh, uh, they're both a bit vigilant to help improve their own lives in, in their timing. And, and uh, what your oldest son, Carter, he still, uh, he lives with you. Uh, is that correct? But Bakari is the one that is that is in a place where you're able yes. to Zoom with yes. him every day. There we go. Okay. Uh, Dana, um, I have a question um, about, I was, I knew you, of course, during the transition of Bakari going into residential placement. Um, talk a little bit about, because we have so many families, including myself, that have that in the future for them. Talk about the adjustment for that. Was that difficult for you? And now, now that you are where you are, um, the sense of um, probably relief that you have about that. Can you talk? Can you talk to that? Yes. Let's start with where I am now because you know I haven't been taken there in a while, and I started welling up all over again. But right now, especially during this. Um, thing we're going to through what I call it that shall not be named. <laughs> I'm a Harry Potter fan. <laughs> I love that term. So yeah, I mean, right now, I know I made the best choice because he is well cared for and uh, by people who run a home that follow the law, follow the rules and help, help their clients thrive. So that's incredible. 
Now, he always had behaviors ever since he was a tiny guy. And he would go off to the point that the way we learned to handle it was to go in the room and lock ourselves in the room and listen until he was done. And then we'd come out because we had, you know, you know, experienced some really horrific uh, episodes. So these would come and go. And we consulted a psychiatrist uh, who was able to, you know, different times uh, provide us a medication which would curb these behaviors. Behaviors is how we refer to them in our industry. And then he'd have a growth spurt and then uh, things would get good and he could come off the meds because I'm not a real medicine person. So we went to natural medicines for a while and then he grew and then behaviors returned. And so all along, we knew this was a potential and I always kept his dad in the loop and I always kept the regional center in the loop. I let our uh, case coordinator know that we may need to access the option of a group home. So they were always mindful to keep us aware of what group homes were available, where they were, how we could um, access them, and to keep us ready to be on a, a waiting list. Because, you know, if the, if the time came where we said he's got to go to a group home, we didn't want it to last a long time and then more damage be, be done. So I had an experience really now in hindsight, I know what it was all about. Anyway, I took a major pounding in public. It was, it was so upsetting because he lost it and he lost it in his communication class. He was doing it once a week and then they escalated to twice a week. But what I realize now that he's receiving communication, it wasn't challenging him. And I couldn't understand why he wasn't cooperating. I think she's frozen on us, Nancy. Yeah, I think she froze on us. Uh, okay, I'll keep talking. They say okay, that sorry. kids are um, actually smarter and they aren't being challenged and that's why they act out in class. Well, the same thing was happening with Bakari. He was in a communications class that wasn't pushing him and really doing what he knew he wanted to share. So he stopped participating and this made me mad and I was upset about it. So I just said, well, we're going home. Well, we hit the parking lot and he retaliated. And I'm sure everything he was saying in all of those strikes that he landed upon me, which the next day had me seeing stars. You know how you see stars in the cartoons? Yeah. I, it was no cartoon. I heard the ringing, like they say boxers here are ringing. I heard the ringing. Anyway, I realized he was saying, they don't know what I know. I can tell more, I can do more. So now he's doing it and his behaviors are pretty much nil now that he can communicate. But back then, as soon as, I don't know what made him stop, but when he stopped, we got in the car and I said, listen, I, I told you, if this ever happened again, you're gonna have to live with someone else. So with him there in the car, I called our regional center coordinator. I left a voicemail detailing what had happened and that it was time for placement. He, he understood that. And I knew he understood that. So she was fortunate in that she kept in touch with an ABA specialist and, and the ABA specialist knew the better homes because she worked in them and recommended the white group home. And they had just purchased a second home and had a spot for my son, Bakari. When we went to interview and take him to see the space, a young man had just been placed prior who walked down the stairs who happened to have gone to Bakari school. So he had a buddy that he knew. And <clears throat> That's great. It, it's really, it's really a, a phenomenal, phenomenal success story. Well, thank you for sharing that, Vanna, because I know there are a lot of families out there that, 
you know, have children with behaviors that they are looking at, you know, the future, what the future might hold. And you're really an inspiration uh, to so many parents um, out there in terms of having a child that's nonverbal um, and dealing with that situation. You're a real inspiration to them. Absolutely. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Shannon. You know, everybody who knows me sends parents to me. I they they can give them my number. I've helped many parents navigate these waters. And someone told me, what if I had done it when he was younger? Maybe that would have prevented what happened later. Don't know, but I just let people know there it is a good thing. Just find the right home. We've, we've only got uh, two minutes left here. So I want to get some, I uh, got some business we got to take care of. First, we want to, people are asking, they're saying they're so moved by the trailer for the new film. And they're asking, where can we watch the first film, Vaina? Where can we send them so they can, A, um, find out more, get links to be able to donate and to watch uh, everything that they can about both films? Well, uh, contact me, uh, I guess, uh, wow. Yeah, email is- Well, easy. how about this? How about they can write to us if they specifically Perfect. want, and then, and we'll forward it off to you. Let's do that. So that you can write sense. to me, s.penrod at autism-live.com and I'll connect you with Vena. Um, Because to yeah. see the first film, they pretty much, they can do a, a showing in their community. Maybe you want to start doing a virtual showing. I don't know. I, I, but like, I'm open to screenings. You can do it in your living room, you know, two, five people. I recommend that you do it with the group because as Shannon said, it's so emotional. If you watch it yourself, you might stop and not come back. So yeah, uh, you, yeah. you got to have some people, got to have community to talk about, even if you guys watch it and then discuss it on Zoom, but you got to have some yes. support. It's emotional. It's a journey. And I can zoom in for Q&A afterwards. I would love to be able to share and connect heart to heart after you've seen it. But yeah, I have it available. I can send you the link and the password. Is there a Facebook page or a website for the new film where they can go and check things out? We have an Instagram page for the new film. It's called In Spite of Autism at in spite of autism. Okay, fantabulous. Uh, we wanna thank you so much for being here. I gotta give a quick uh, shout out for the fact that a week from today, Nancy doesn't even know this, I haven't told her yet. A week from today on the show, we are interviewing together, Nancy, you and I, Eustacia Cutler, Temple Grandin's mother is with Amazing. us next week on the show. So excited that awesome? about that, Shannon. Yes, very excited. Uh, so uh, next week on the show on Monday, listen to this lineup. On Monday, we've got special education attorney Bonnie Yates and autism advocate Cassidy Hooper is going to be with us on Monday. Then on Tuesday, <laughs> Temple Grandin's back here with us live on Tuesday answering your questions. I know. Yeah. We're going to have Temple and her mother in the same week. It's like mind-blowing. Okay. Wednesday, we're having Dr. Doreen Grampichet on the show to answer your questions. And then on Thursday, we're having teen actor uh, Kobe Bird. You've seen him on The Good Doctor. You have seen him now on the hit show, Lock and Key. I just got goosies. He's here with us on Thursday. We haven't had him since Lock and Key went totally gonzo on Netflix. So he'll be here. And then we're going to finish out the week with Eustacia Cutler here with Nancy and I live answering your questions. So it's it's a great week. Um, I'm very excited about it. But Vaina, so great to have you here. Nancy, thanks so much for being here with Dana, us. Thank you, honey, for being on. You're such an inspiration to everyone. You are. We thank love you. Thank you, both of you, to me. Love, love, love. So you guys will be back here on Monday. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. And give yourselves a hug from me as well. Bye-bye for now, you guys. There we go. Bye-bye. Yay. Yay, bye. Bye-bye. Love you. Love you. Love you.